0: In this episode, Kristen Clark from Girl Defined shares about how she and her husband adopted brothers from Ukraine. She also talks about her sister Alyssa and her husband Andre that have been living in Ukraine and ministering there as missionaries. Um, Andre's actually from Ukraine, but since Kristen and I sat down to talk, obviously there have been huge changes in the world. Russia, as you probably know, invaded Ukraine, and Alyssa and her husband had been located in Kyiv and were just two weeks away from the arrival of their baby girl when the invasion happened. Thankfully, we have learned that they are now safe and awaiting the birth of their baby any day now. But we would like to continue to keep Alyssa and her husband, Andre and their baby in our prayers, and as well as all of the people in Ukraine who haven't been able to make it to safety or those who have chosen to stay behind to fight or because it's their home. And we would like to begin this episode with a prayer for Ukraine and for Alyssa and Andre and their baby. So if you would join us in prayer, let's pray. Father, we just come before you knowing that this was no surprise to you that even on the day when we recorded this interview, when we had no idea that anything like this could possibly happen, you knew and you were already there. Lord, we just ask that you would just be present in this dark situation. We pray for Alyssa and Andre and their baby. Father, we give you thanks and praise that they made it to safety. We know that there were hours and days that it wasn't known whether they were going to make it to safety or not. And we just ask that, um, that you would just... Continue to pave the way for them, God, to go before them in the birth of this child, that it would be a safe delivery, that the baby would be born healthy, and that you would just give Alyssa and Andre peace in the unknown, and that you would grow their faith and their confidence as they see you working in the midst of darkness and difficulty to bring about good for them and their family and their baby. Father, we lift up the church in Ukraine, which is strong. We thank you for that, God. And we just pray in Jesus' name that you would equip the church with a capital C of Ukraine who are now scattered. Not all of them are in Ukraine, but we pray that you would make them light that city on a hill that as the darkness gets increasingly dark, that they would shine ever more brightly as beacons of hope to others who now more than ever are desperate for light. We pray that this terrible situation would be used as an opportunity for the gospel to go out to even more people than ever. Lord, we pray for those who are hiding in basements, who are looking for shelter, who were not able to make it to safety yet, God. We pray that you would be with them for those that can't leave because it's their home and they have nowhere to go. We pray for them, God, meet them where they are. We pray that you would send people to them, that you would send comfort to them, that you would allow for them to get to safety in whatever way possible. Lord, we lift up those who stayed behind intentionally to fight. God, protect them. We pray that there would be no more casualties in Jesus name. We pray that those Who are in harm's way would find Jesus if they don't know them, if they don't know him yet. We pray for miraculous provisions never seen before, that people would see your provision, would know that you're there to help them, and would believe in Jesus. Lord, we lift up the Russian citizens facing heavy sanctions who will be suffering if they aren't already. Again, we pray that it would be an opportunity for the gospel to go out in some way. For your light and love to be shown in ways that it couldn't have otherwise. And we pray for the refugees that are scattered and the countries, organizations, and individuals that are providing shelter and assistance to support them another opportunity for people to be the hands and feet of Jesus and to spread the gospel to people in need, to those who are suffering, to the homeless and the displaced. Father, where there is hopelessness, we pray hope. Where there is darkness, we pray light. Where there is hatred, we pray love and forgiveness and joy and abundance Where there is hunger, we pray for your mighty provision of physical needs in miraculous ways. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in this situation, because you promise that in all things you are at work for the good of those who love you, who are called according to your mighty purposes. And we know it is so. We know your hand is at work in this, God. That you take the ugly things of this world, you take the dirt and the muck, and you grow a garden out of it. And we thank you for that, God. And we praise you for being a redeemer, God. For being a God of light and love and abundance and mercy and provision and goodness the giver of every good gift, the withholder of none. And so we ask God for all of the unspoken prayers, all of the cracks and crevices of this situation that we haven't prayed through or don't even know to pray through for the deepest desires of that person that's alone, that feels hopeless and helpless, that you would meet them there, God that our prayers would be offered up, that your Holy Spirit would translate these prayers into the individual needs of every single person hurting right now in this situation. We can't wait to see how you work in this, God, who you work through, how you redeem and reclaim and repurpose. Let it be so. In the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. And now join us for a really great conversation with Kristen Clark from Girl Defined. Hi there, and welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I'm Jamie Hampton, and today I am really happy to be here with author and podcaster, Kristen Clark from Girl Defined, a ministry that Kristen and her sister Bethany began back in 2014 to help modern girls understand and live out God's timeless truth for womanhood. I just love that. Mm. Kristen and Bethany have authored multiple books, including their most recent release, which is called Not Part of the Plan. Trusting God with the twists and turns of your story. Kristen, thank you so much for being here and talking with us.
1: No, oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. I love all of these topics of womanhood and trusting God. So I think it's going to be a fun conversation.
0: Great. Well, before we get into your book and talking about Um, your story. We like to ask all of our guests, what is your favorite prayer closet? Where do you like to go to feel close to God?
1: Mm, Well, I do like my closet, but I will be honest, (laughs) my physical closet, my shoes are really stinky. So (laughs) I (laughs) stopped going in there. Even my husband commented on it. I'm like, why are my shoes stinkier than his? (laughs) So so truly it's an early morning before my boys are up. My, my go-to place is just in the living room on the couch. Just right there. It's quiet. It's peaceful. Nobody's really around. And that's my my good, quiet, early morning go to spot.
0: I love it. Have you seen the movie War Room with Priscilla? Yes. She's yes. got like so the running good. smelly shoe theme through yes. her. Whole oh, thing. I related to that. I was like,
1: oh, she, <laughs> yep, I feel you, sister.
0: <laughs> yep. So you're in good company, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's says, so it is comforting to know that. <laughs>
0: yes well this book I want to jump right into your book and your story I got to listen to podcast episode today I was way behind Mm. I usually prepare way in advance and we've had some other things happening and and so I just I loved getting to kind of like I read your book and listened Mm. to podcast episodes all kind of in the last 24 hours oh wow and I love it. I love it. Cause I got to know you a little bit more because we had mm. Bethany on the podcast and I got to talk with her yes. last year, but, um, but yeah, this is really great. Um, you just get so vulnerable and share so many really tender, moments of your life and your journey. And I just appreciate that so much because I know that a lot of women are going to be able to relate to that. So um, Mm -hmm. in this book, Not Part of the Plan, I love how you and Bethany kind of tag team and you share your individual struggles to navigate different areas of your life that weren't exactly turning out how you had hoped or planned. Uh, And and you focus a lot on your own struggle with infertility. So can you just Mm -hmm. tell us What was that like for you? Kind of just share your story of of those early years of discovering that that was going to be a struggle.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I come from, I kind of joke that my mom is like a birthing pro because she birthed eight of us kids. I have seven siblings and it was just, you know, no problem, no fertility struggles whatsoever. And I I think going into marriage, I just assumed that I came from this strong line of birthing women. And I thought, oh, there's, I'm going to have no issues in this department at all. And as the years ticked on, um, really it was my husband and I weren't, we were kind of hoping for a little time early in our marriage without kids, just to kind of get a, build a strong foundation and just grow in our relationship. But we were open to having kids whenever God thought the timing was right. And little did we know that timing would look drastically different than what we had even imagined. But I assumed, you know, if you don't prevent, you're going to get pregnant. And so we were open and excited about trusting the Lord with it. Or so we thought, And a year goes by, two years goes by and nothing happens. And I'm thinking, "Hmm, well, this is kind of odd. If you're not preventing, this is, doesn't seem normal. Um, But we weren't too concerned about it. And then right at our two year anniversary, right before um, I find out I'm pregnant for the first time, we're so excited. And we just feel like, wow, God's timing is perfect. He knew we needed these two years to really just build a good foundation in our marriage and establish a, a good home life to bring this child into Um, And then tragically six months or six weeks later, it was very soon um, the pregnancy ended in miscarriage, which totally shocked us. Even though I know lots of women who have had miscarriages, I just did not even think that was remotely possible for me. I don't know why. I just thought, oh, this is all going to work out just the way I imagined. Um, And so really what I thought was a very surrendered place of my heart as far as like family children, I thought I was very surrendered, like, Lord, I'm trusting you. We're not even on birth control, like whatever your plan is. And then little did I know how much I really wasn't trusting God because when he gave us that pregnancy and then it ended in miscarriage, um, it just felt like my whole world came crashing down. And all of the plans that I thought were so surrendered, I realized I was holding on to very tightly. Um, and I had my timeline and I had all my little decks in a row. And I just assumed that God's plan for my life would be exactly the way that I had scripted it. So that was really hard to work through, Um, but we didn't think that anything was really wrong. I know a lot of women can have miscarriages on their first pregnancy. So we, we grieved and we struggled and we processed, and there was a lot of growth in our marriage, even as we walked that journey together. And then six months later, I conceived again. um, And we thought, okay, back-to-back miscarriages are so rare. They're not that common. You know, everything's going to be fine. But I remember thinking, you know, I really, I need to hold this with an open hand I wasn't surrendered at all the first time. I need to hold this with an open hand and say, Lord, you give, you take away, help me to trust you with whatever the outcome is in this. And so I think going into the second pregnancy, I did have a more surrendered heart, trusting the Lord a little bit more, but still, you know, we all hope for the best and pray for the best. And then almost the exact same thing happened exactly about six and a half weeks in, um, miscarried again, almost exactly the same way. So it was just, again, like a double shock. And now my husband and I are like, Okay, now we fall into this very small category of women who are experienced recurring miscarriages. So I wonder if there's a problem and we're grieving and having to tell all of our close friends and family what, you know, that we lost the baby again, and that was really really hard. But, you know, little did I know that that pregnancy would be the last one I would experience for probably like 5 or 6 years and we would walk a journey of dozens of doctors visits um, eventually receiving the diagnosis of unexplained infertility, pursuing little bit of treatment, pursuing different options, but just kind of more minimally um, and really just wrestling with, wow, what what is going on? What is God's plan in all of this? We don't see anything good coming from this. Um, and then around year eight of our marriage, I got pregnant out of the blue, it was super shocking after like five years of nothing. Um, it was crazy, got pregnant and that pregnancy seemed to be a lot healthier. Just all of the signs were looking good, strong heartbeat at eight weeks, made it to nine weeks, ten weeks, and then around just before 12 weeks actually. Um, some things kind of fell off to me. So I went into to my doctor and got an ultrasound, assuming everything was probably fine. And it was in that appointment that she, that was the first time I'd really seen like an ultrasound with the baby. I'd seen a heartbeat on my second pregnancy early, early on, but this was just, it was so much more real because I was further along. And she said, she just got quiet and looked at me and said, I am so sorry, but there's no heartbeat. I can't find a heartbeat. And I just remember it was like a knife slicing into my heart. I mean, like a gut punch. It's like the, I could I couldn't even really process what she was saying. It was so shocking to me. And my husband was with me, thankfully. And I just lay there and just started crying and he came over and he was crying and she said, you know, I'll give you a few minutes and left. And, and then that for me was probably after that third miscarriage. Um, I had started to hope again, you know, I thought this one seems like it's going to work. Finally, my prayers for motherhood and us having children, finally, these are gonna this is gonna become our reality. And so for me, it almost felt like a cruel joke. Like, God, why did you even give us this pregnancy and then build our hope? You know, it seemed like it was going so well, only for it to end again tragically. And so that was probably after that, the lowest point in my life spiritually, having grown up in a Christian home. I was saved at a young age, had had a pretty consistent walk with the Lord over the years, but for me, that was probably the lowest place I had ever been. Um, just in my heart toward the Lord and wrestling through that grief. So I don't know if you wanted to get into the next part of the story quite yet, but that is like, I guess, a long (laughs) to make a short story long. Really, that's that's what we walked through.
0: No, that's definitely a nutshell of like a seven year period, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I would love for you to talk a little bit about specifically where you were like in just that evolution of your prayer life. Yeah. Pre-marriage. And then maybe how it looked when you were trying to conceive and processing the miscarriages. And then at that low point, like what did your relationship with God look like? What were the things you were thinking? What were the the prayers you were praying and the you know the things you were saying Mm -hmm. to God?
1: Yeah, you know, it's so interesting. I think until we until we really hit some valleys in our lives, some some things that really they test our faith in ways that the mountaintops or the, you know, the good seasons don't really do. I hadn't had anything super tragic. I, I guess in, when I was in high school, I actually, the youngest brother in my family died right after he was born. Uh, my mom's ninth baby, he only lived one day and that was very tragic and very hard for all of us. Um, but that had been a while, you know, since that experience. And um, it's different when it's, it's a brother versus your own child. And so I think having walked through that grief, but then um, not really, not really a lot of other like really hard things up until my miscarriages. I remember without even realizing it, I think I was viewing the character of God through the lens of my circumstances, and I felt like my circumstances are pretty good. You know, I remember getting married even and thinking on my wedding day, "Wow, life is literally perfect." <laughs> I mean, I'm like, God is answering all of my prayers. I'm marrying this amazing godly man. He has this incredible family that I love. Everyone is so supportive. We've got these both sides, these great Christian parents who care about us and love us. And you know, we're, we're getting married and life just honestly felt so perfect. And I think what I was doing, like I said, without even realizing it is I was viewing God's character through my circumstances. Like, oh, everything's good. God is really good. God is, he's faithful. He's with me. You know, he is all the things he says in scripture. I believe that. But then I remember distinctly after that, as I'm you know, praising it. It was like a season of praise, like praising the Lord just. And so there were things I was working through just in my own heart, praying, praying those things to the Lord. But I felt like it was more of a season of rejoicing and, and lots of praise to the Lord. And then as I hit those first two miscarriages, I remember it was almost like God's character because I had been kind of viewing it through the lens of my circumstances. Now this God that felt so like the, the giver of good gifts and, you know, all of these positive things we see in scripture, I, it almost felt like he reversed, like he was the opposite. Like he flipped because now my circumstances were so hard. Um, and it, and I, I almost started projecting through my circumstances onto God's character, like questioning, is he really loving? Is he really good? Mm. Is he really all these things he says he is because what's happening right now does not feel good. And it is not good. And I don't want this and this is, you know, why would he allow this to happen? And so I think through that and just even watching my prayers kind of change in my heart and my emotions wrestling with the Lord realizing wow, I have to be a woman who is anchored in the truth of God's word. I have to be a woman who views my circumstances through the lens of God's character rather than the other way around because life isn't all butterflies and rainbows. And when hard times strike, if my if my trust in the Lord is based on the the joy of my life, you know, just the goodness of the circumstances, then when circumstances are hard, that's, that's going to change. And so I remember just even in my own prayer life, crying out to the Lord and saying, God, help me to believe who you say you are is who you are in the good, in the bad, that you are faithful, that you are steadfast, that you are righteous that you, you, you are good and you do good and that you can work all things out for the good of those who love you, who are called according to your purpose, that even in the hard and in the pain, you're working, you're doing something. Um, help me to trust you. And so my prayers, I think, got a lot deeper. And I felt like my relationship with God got a lot deeper, a lot more real, less surfacey and definitely less based on my circumstances.
0: Oh, I love that, Kristen, that, like, that you were at the place where you had enough of a connection with God to know that you could ask, I, I need help believing the right Mm. things. And, you know, and I, so, I mean, that just, I think that should offer hope to so many people out there that are going through hard times that are doubting God's goodness, but that have a foundation of knowing that God is real, knowing the Bible is true and having the freedom not to stuff those emotions, uh, or that, or those questions, I think the temptation for some of us that have either grown up in the church or have established a relationship with God, when those hard times come, it can be tempting to stuff those emotions to feel like I'm not allowed to feel disappointed. I'm not allowed mm. to question God's goodness. And, um, you know, and then, then that I think makes the road even rockier because you're mm-hmm. not dealing with it. You're not taking it and being honest with him. So I love that you did that. Yes. And he, he met
1: me there, you know, like the Psalms say, he, he is mindful that we are butt dust. Mm-hmm. And I think often we feel like we have to be strong. We have mm-hmm. to muscle through and God is saying, I know you're weak. I know you're frail. I know this sin bent world that you live in battling the flesh and the brokenness all around you. I know that is so hard. And that is why I sent my son to die Why I am redeeming this brokenness, Why I am coming back again. And I am that same God who was with you walking through this trial right now. And, you know, I just realized if I don't turn to God, where else am I going to turn? You know, there are a lot of short-term fixes like hiding in the closet with ice cream and Cheetos, definitely been there, you know, just trying, to, <laughs> trying to numb the pain and okay, I'm just gonna binge watch a show or something because I just wanna escape this pain I'm feeling. But at the end of the day, it doesn't last. And God is saying, come to me. I am the source that your soul needs. Um, I am the only one who can truly fill this void that you're trying to fill with other things. And so I think theologically, I knew that, but God is so patient and so gracious and took me a little while to get there, but eventually realized he's really all I have in this. Yeah.
0: Hey there, it's Jamie. I just wanted to pause the conversation for a minute to introduce you to a sponsor of our podcast, Simply Earth Essential Oils. I've really loved using Simply Earth's essential oils in their diffuser, It looks really nice on my countertop, and walking into a room that smells nice just makes everyone in the house happier. If using essential oils has seemed confusing, or maybe you even have unused oils stored away on a shelf somewhere, I think you're going to love the Simply Earth's Essential Oil Recipe Box. How it works is you receive the recipe box with four pure essential oils, six recipe cards, and extras. And then you learn how to use your essential oils while making the recipes created by Simply Earth's Certified Aromatherapists. And this is my favorite part about Simply Earth. You're buying from a company that changes the world. Simply Earth gives 13% of all of their profits to end human trafficking around the world. I'm pretty sure you'll be amazed at how affordable these high-quality oils are. Not only do they come from the best farms from all over the world, but they're tested by a third party to ensure purity. The essential oils alone would cost over $100 from other companies. But with the Simply Earth Essential Oil Recipe Box, you get four pure oils, six recipes, and extra ingredients for only $39. And when you subscribe, you get a free big bonus box with even more natural goodies. Plus, get a free essential oil diffuser, which I love, when you subscribe using Praying Christian Women's unique link simplyearth.com slash PCW as in praying Christian women. So don't wait, visit simplyearth.com slash PCW today to get your free 80 milliliter essential oil diffuser. Well, when you were at that lowest point after your third Mm. loss, do you, did you get to the point at any, at any time where you questioned God, are you even real? Like, am I even believing the real thing? Am I mm. even on the right track or God, are you even listening to my prayers? Do you even um, care about me? I mean, were you, what were the the deepest, darkest questions you wrestled with in that time?
1: Yeah. Yes. Yes. Because after my third miscarriage, that was for sure. Um, the lowest point that I've I've ever experienced. And I don't, I don't think I questioned whether or not God was real. Um, I still believe that he was real, but everything that I knew up to that point to be true, that I had felt like I had a firm foundation, especially after the first two miscarriages, I felt like there was so much growth spiritually and um, even the journey of infertility and all the doctor's appointments, lots of hard, hard seasons and unanswered prayers for years on end. Um, God really used that to refine me and show me my need for him and show me how to find satisfaction in him first and foremost. And so I felt like, wow, I, I am very strong spiritually. I felt, I felt like he had been maturing me. And so it mm-hmm. almost caught me by surprise, honestly, after that third miscarriage and the way that I reacted. And I remember afterwards, my husband and I came home and we were sitting on our couch and I was just crying my eyes out and he was crying. And I just said, I said, I, I feel angry at God. So I, I was acknowledging that God was real, but it's almost like I needed someone to take the blame for this. Like someone was responsible for this tragedy and it sure isn't me is how I was feeling. Um, and so the only one who has any control over what's happening in my womb, I can't, I can't control any of that is I'm thinking it's God. And so he allowed this to happen. Why would he do that? This is his fault. And so I found my heart in my grief pointing and I guess. Directing my anger that I was feeling toward God, and I remember feeling a little scared, honestly, um, because of how angry I was feeling toward God. And I remember turning to my husband, and I just said, "I don't know how to to pursue truth right now. I don't even know how to do that. I feel lost. I don't even know how to process these this grief and these emotions." And I said, "I need something to help me walk through this. Like, I need a resource. I need I need scripture to be read to me. I don't even know if I can open my Bible." And so my husband. Um, so sweet. He's like, yes, totally. So he just immediately started looking up some, some biblical articles on how to walk through like really hard grief. And we ended up ordering a book on Amazon that night and it came in the next day and it was called, therefore I have hope by Cameron Cole. It was absolutely instrumental in helping my heart in that moment. Um, but basically it's a book that was walking us through how to process gut wrenching grief um, in the face of who God says he is basically, and the gospel, how to take steps forward. And that book was like a lifeline for me as that book took me to scripture, helped me just see the truth of who God is. And through the circumstances of the author, his son had died um, unexpectedly. I think it was like sudden infant death syndrome when he was like two or three, totally shocked into their family. And so as he's walking through his journey and sharing how he was wrestling with anger toward God, and how the truth of the gospel slowly over time just penetrated his heart and helped him get through this grief to the other side. It was doing the same thing for my heart. And so I think sometimes as women, we feel like we just, like, we don't know what to do. And so we either don't do anything or we we resort to the quick, easy fixes. Um, But there are so many resources out there. And in fact, something that we ended up creating as a free resource for any woman um, is a 30 day it's basically a prayer journal through the names and attributes of God. And that is something that I, I needed right after. So my husband and I are reading this book, I'm feeling still lost and still angry. And I just said, I don't even really know who God is anymore. And so as we're reading this book, I just looked up, Googled um, the names and attributes of God and this 30 day little calendar thing popped up. And basically every day I would take one name or one attribute of God with the scriptures I would read those verses talking about that specific character or attribute of God Um, for 30 days straight. I did that. I would journal about it. I would pray and say, God, I don't even feel like I believe this about you right now. Help me to believe that you are who you say you are based on this truth I'm reading in scripture. And I'm telling you, it was like baby steps day after day after day, but 30 days later, my heart... Um, it felt revived. It was like, I felt like my soul had almost died in a sense. I felt oh. so down in the pits and it was like, God had just redeemed my life from the pit. You know, that those words the psalmist uses. And so we created that a similar resource that anyone can download for free at girldefined.com slash God. Um, it's a PDF. It's just a one page document that helps you walk through. If anyone listening feels like they're in that place for their struggling with God or wrestling through something really hard and they just need some rails, you know, some tracks to guide them forward. That was very instrumental in helping me move forward.
0: Oh, that is so great. So that's girldefined.com slash God. Where we get that. That's Mm -hmm. great. What a great resource. And what a great testimony of again just going and saying, "I, I can't do this. Um, you know, God help me believe that you are who you say you are. Mm-hmm. That is such a powerful prayer and, and God bless your husband. I mean, that is a gift to have mm. a man that is going to just be there and Google for you when you don't even have the strength yes. to Google, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's wonderful. So yes, I praise God for him. Mm-hmm. Well, in this journey, what would you say? I mean, I've just, uh, in, in the book, you talk about, your, the role of your family, your sisters, your husband in this whole journey. And Bethany says the same thing, that importance of having people who ground you to God, what has that meant to you? And, and what would you say to the importance of surrounding yourself with people that will be those people to lift you up when you don't have the strength?
1: Yes. You know, it's so biblical first and foremost, Mm -hmm. um, just Galatians six talks about bear one another's burdens talking about the body of Christ. And I think sometimes I know I felt this in my grief, almost this sense of like wanting to pull away, wanting to retreat, wanting to hide because I didn't want to face it. And I surely didn't want to bring other people into it because it just felt too painful to even talk about, to go there. I just almost wanted to like Uh, like, I'm sure I'm going to wake up from this nightmare that I'm in is how I felt. And you know, that can sometimes be our tendency is to isolate and retreat. But I think that's the opposite of what our hearts truly need. And I think Galatians six is speaking to that when it's saying we need to bear one another's burdens. We need, whether we're the person with the burden or we're the one coming alongside someone with something that's weighty that they're carrying, we need to be truly the body of Christ, a body a family surrounding one another and helping each other walk through this. And so Uh, for me, my family, they were obviously very aware of what was going on. And we had told a close inner circle of friends that I was even pregnant because we were a little nervous. We didn't do any social media announcements or anything because of our history, but we had told some of our close circle of friends and everybody was so excited, especially people who had been Mm -hmm. walking with us for the past eight years. They knew our journey. So they knew how, how this was such a big deal for us. Um, But you know, it was, it's hard. And I remember after the news, my husband was like, we should probably tell our family. And I just looked at him and said, I can't talk to anyone. Like I, I was just crying. I said, I, I can't like, if, if I talk, all I'll do is cry. Like I can't even, I don't even have words. And so he stepped in and just started calling each of our family members and telling them. And some, we were able to tell in person, our friends who had been praying, we called them and it was just hard and painful over and over to have to share the news and they're crying. And, but honestly, it was very healing. It, I didn't know it at the time that it was because all of those people now knew the burden we were walking through and they were, they started praying for us specifically in the moment, in the grief, in the pain, sending me just encouraging text messages like, Sister, I am so heartbroken with you. I am praying for you. You know, if there's anything we can do, just simple things. Other women who had gone through miscarriages were sending me things that had been really helpful for them. And I wouldn't have had any of that support if we had not shared. And so I think that's the the thing I would say to any woman who feels that tendency, knee-jerk reaction to retreat, to not share, to battle it alone. That's I don't think that's God's best for us. And I don't think that helps us move forward in a healthy way toward healing. So we have to be vulnerable. We have to be willing to share and invite others in. And as we do that, as painful as it can be at first, over time, I think we'll see that the healing process, um,
0: is, is much better. I think that is, that is such good advice because I have noticed that in myself, um, just the tendency when I go through hard times, I don't know if it's because I'm an introvert by nature. I love people, Mm. but I am, I gain my energy by being, um, alone. And so I wonder, If that's part of it, but I tend to isolate when I'm going through hard times, or I just I just want to be literally alone asleep, maybe Mm -hmm. even. But I I Mm. do isolate. But then during times when people have either approached me to give me support without my asking, or when I've made the effort to move forward in seeking out fellowship and counsel or even just prayer it has, I've never regretted it. And it's always been so helpful. So word out there to anyone who's like us, who tends to isolate a little bit, Mm -hmm. feel those things is just try to try to push through, try to reach out. Or for those of us that aren't maybe going through something to have eyes open, to see the people that need you to be a little bit pushy to give support Mm -hmm. with, yeah, but I don't know. I know there's a line, there's a balance. You don't want to overstep, but you know, just ask God to open your eyes to those people that need that extra support, I think is. Yes. Yeah.
1: I agreed.
0: Well, in the book, you talk about a turning point where you're sitting around a table with your sisters and one of your sisters, I think Bethany, asks you kind of a probing question about adoption. Mm. Um, Can you share that story and what that, what happened at that point and and where you were in that and the timing of that? What was the timing of that? Yes. So my husband and I, at this point in time, I think we had been
1: married for just past nine years, so maybe nine, nine and a half years. And the topic of adoption had come up over the years lots of loving, well-intentioned people would ask us, you know, have you guys considered adoption? You would make great parents. There are so many kids in need. And, you know, in our hearts we would, and we would say openly, yes, yes, it's wonderful. It's biblical. We are all for it. We just don't feel like that's the path God is calling us down at this point in time. Um, And, you know, we really had prayed through it sincerely. And we had even prayed through, do we want to pursue certain fertility treatments? Like there's all sorts of paths and for, for quite a few years, we just felt like, like the Lord was saying, just serve me right where I have you. We were involved in a church plant. We were um, in a small group and then leading a small group. And my sister and I were doing girl to find and running that ministry and lots of, lots of things happening there. And so it just felt like our plates were very full with a lot of really wonderful things. And almost like God was saying, I have you in this season for a reason and just serve me, serve me with what's right in front of you. And so we did, and we felt very content in that, and. And that was probably, but at the same time, still praying every single day you know, that God would give us children. So it's interesting how God can, he can give you a sense of contentment, but at the same time, you still have a longing. And so you're trusting while you're praying and you're walking all of this out in faith. And it's just an interesting dynamic I remember working through. But um, anyway, so nine and a half years and I'm at breakfast with my sister. We're doing a little girl to find team breakfast. So another sister's there and we're just chatting about all things girl defined in life and the topic of adoption came up. And my sister, this was recently after she had had her little baby. So she has a whole journey of singleness, you know, trusting God with the twists and turns of her story. were more along the lines of thinking she'd get married young, doesn't get married till she's 30. Um, And so we each were kind of walking simultaneously through our different seasons and unfulfilled longings and unanswered prayers and kind of supporting each other, encouraging and encouraging each other along the way. But at this point in time, um, I'm married, have this history of infertility and recurrent miscarriage. She has, she's now married and has a little boy, little Davy, and he's just a baby at this point. And so she's kind of turns to me and says, like, hey, have you and Zach thought any more about adoption? Is that something you guys have like talked about any more recently? And I just said, you know, yeah, a little, but but not really a ton. And you know, honestly, I just I don't think that's probably the path that God has for us. Um, I just I just don't think, you know, there's so many unknowns and things that can go wrong. And I just don't know if that's really the path that we're going to take. And she just kind of looked at me like a good sister would (laughs) and asked a very heart probing question, but in a very gracious way. And she just said, you know, do you think fear is what's causing you to be hesitant about adoption? And it's like she was seeing straight through me. And I just wow. looked at her. and my my initial reaction was, "Well, of course not. <laughs> no. I'm totally pursuing the Lord's in this. You know, I'm not fearful. and And then we just kind of, honestly, what happened next is she just burst into tears. And then I burst into tears. and we didn't even really know why we were crying. and And it just turns out that she was feeling this, Um, I don't know, just this kind of compassion for these children in need. And then I guess just the sadness for us too, and our longings and all of these things were kind of coming together. And so I'm crying and she's crying. And I just said, I just said, I don't know. I don't know what's at the root of this, but I, I, you might be onto something basically like there might be fear there. And so I went home from that conversation feeling like I needed to do some soul searching. I needed to to figure out what is my hesitation with this? And and is it really something I'm pursuing the Lord in and my husband or or is this some sort of fear that's keeping us from even really considering this? And so we both, my husband and I, took some time to just pray about it. I wanted to grow in my understanding of what God's word had to say about this. And so I found a book by Russell Moore called Adopted for Life. I listened to the audiobook in like, I don't know, three days. I just consumed it. And as I was listening to this book about adoption and the parallels that adoption has with the gospel and how God has adopted all of us as his children who place our faith in him, he's adopted us. We were the orphans. He's given us a new name, a new identity, a new inheritance. He calls us his children. Um, he becomes our father. It's like this, it's the most incredible, amazing thing. And God is saying that is what earthly adoption um, is like. And so I just remember I was power washing in my backyard as I'm listening to this audiobook because I'm like addicted to power washing. <laughs> and I just started crying as I saw the beauty of the gospel and I saw the beauty of earthly adoption. And it was like my heart was softened. The fear that had been gripping my heart at the thought of adoption just melted away. And it was replaced by a genuine love. And I don't, at that point, I had no idea if God was really, if he had adoption and plan for our family, but I knew that I was 100% open to pursuing it, um, and exploring it in ways I never had been. And so my husband was kind of going, walking on the same journey as me, as we were discussing and praying together. And so that, that day was a turning point for both of us and eventually led us down the path of international adoption, which is something I never imagined in my life. I wasn't one of those girls who, you know, grew up always imagining, like I want to adopt one day. And I have a sister who has that passion. And I just didn't, that wasn't in a part of my plan, right? It was not a part of my plan. And so it was just so cool to see how God, um, it felt like out of the ashes, you know, of mm-hmm. this longing for children, and um, that he was producing beauty and, And one of the things that caught me that really gripped my heart in the book I was reading, um, Adopted for Life, is he said, speaking directly to a woman listening, he said, do you long most to be pregnant or do you long most to be a mom? Because if you long most to be a mom, that can happen right now through adoption. And I just remember thinking, wow, I've never really thought about my journey to motherhood in any other way except pregnancy. And it was like the first time I really thought wow. I think my greatest longing and prayer is for motherhood. I long for children. And if God has a different path for us, for how he's going to bring a family about for us, then I am really excited about that. And it was like such a one in my heart. And so my husband and I ventured down that journey of international adoption in the middle of the pandemic. So that was really exciting.
0: Yeah, um, uh, but God,
1: <laughs> God had two precious boys for us in Ukraine. Um, brothers, biological brothers, ages 10 and six at the time. And um, after about a one-year process, we brought them home. And now we have two boys running around our house with nerf guns and Legos. And my life is completely different. <laughs> but it's been absolutely amazing. And they are some of the greatest gifts and blessings that God has ever given me. So I'm just so amazed at how God He knew He had a plan, right? And and so often that's how he works he ha- he sees the big picture of our lives but we only can see a snippet and that's why he calls us to trust him.
0: Wow. Well, I I already know I need you back for part 2 because I have so many questions about how your prayer life has changed since being an adoptive mom and through mm. that process, but we don't have time to go through that. But did I read in your book that one of your sisters lives in Ukraine with a Ukrainian yes! husband? Yes, it's crazy. so so like yeah, I mean that's that is really a huge god thing. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. I know and she never imagined that she would live in Ukraine. I mean, she's a Texas girl, right? She- yeah. So that's actually how we got connected to the country because she was dating a missionary who yeah. her, her local church in San Antonio is one of his supporting churches. So he would come back periodically for like missionary updates and raising support. And that's how they met. And he is actually Ukrainian. Right, um, and, and so, so yes, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. So they ended up dating long distance and then getting married last year. And it was right around that same time as they were dating that God was doing all of this work in our hearts. And changing our perspective on adoption and giving us this new desire that we were like, huh, Ukraine, that's interesting. So started researching and just found out how many orphans they have in Ukraine and just the need for kids to be adopted. And a lot of times they're a little older because people, um, a lot of times want to adopt younger, and so we were open to older kids. And so it just, God just put all of the pieces in place. It was like, as soon as our hearts were not gripped by fear. And we were saying yes to whatever God had. It's like, he's lined everything up. Um, the whole process. I mean, it had its bumps, but it was just overall very smooth and very clear that God was just going before us opening every single door and I'm just paving the way. So now we have two boys from Ukraine here. And now my sister lives in Ukraine and she's about to have a baby. So it's our family is now very connected to Ukraine, which has been really unexpected for all of us, but so cool to see God work.
0: Well, yeah. And what a blessing for your boys to be able to have that, maintain that connection. And presumably they speak Russian and are able to like continue to do that with their uncle and now yes. you know I mean what a it's like wow. it's
1: wild. I know. That and is I, good. I love that. I love that, that they good. have their uncle they he'll FaceTime with them periodically wow. and they'll you know, okay. they'll like speak Russian together. And I'm like, oh this is amazing. Yeah. I it's love so that. cool. Oh,
0: well well we are officially out of time but I, I definitely want you to to let our listeners know where they can find your book, your books plural and connect with you and Bethany online and on social media.
1: Absolutely. I would love to connect with anyone. And I know any woman who is listening, who's maybe gone through infertility or recurrent miscarriage or even adoption. You can definitely Mm -hmm. email me directly at kristen at girldefined.com. That's K R I S T E N. I love getting emails from, from all of you women. And so if you want to reach out, you can reach out to me personally there, or, um, just more generically, you can find all of our books, tons of free resources on our website at girldefined.com. And then we're on all the socials. So Instagram at Girl Defined, we have a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Girl Defined. Our books are also available on Amazon. So a not part of the plan. Too. And our podcast, yes. Yeah, um, I love your it's podcast. called The Girl Defined Show. So we're on all Apple, Spotify, all the podcast platforms, but yes, we would love to connect.
0: Great. Well, how can we wrap up with prayer for you today,
1: Kristen? Mm, oh man, I would say prayer for me personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say just being a new mom now it's been less than a year. I would say, um, just prayer for, for motherhood and loving my children as God loves me. And just that daily, um, growing in grace and patience. And now I'm getting new levels of sanctification and seeing new levels of selfishness in my own heart that I didn't know were there. So as I wake up every morning, thanking God for this amazing blessing, I'm also seeing my need for him and his strength daily to, to care for them and love them. I'm also homeschooling them and they speak Russian. So it's been exciting. So prayer for all of that would be
0: greatly appreciated. All right, Kristen. Well, thank you so much for being here and God bless you. We will we'll close up in prayer for you now. Thank you. God, we just thank you so much for Kristen, for the journey that you have brought her through, that she's willing to share just all of the wisdom that she's gleaned and um, just the process that's just beginning in this new journey of motherhood. We lift her up to you, God, and we just pray that you would where you have called her. I mean, it's so clear that you have called her to this, um, to this family, to these boys, to motherhood for this moment and this time. And we know that you have already equipped her, that you chose her, that you anointed her before these boys were even a thought that you have Mm. prepared her for this job. And we just pray that you would show her that open her eyes to her victories. God, I just pray against any of the enemies. Um, Schemes to tear her down in any way to plant seeds of doubt in her mind or to speak um, anything but life, God, just speak life mm. into her, surround her with people that will build her up that will pray for her when she needs it the most, um, just infuse her with truth that she mm. can stand on that as she walks this journey of motherhood, and we just thank you for um, for her marriage. We pray your blessing on their marriage. Just pray that you would protect it, that you would um, support it, that you would um, help them even in the midst of the crazy parenting life to grow closer to Mm -hmm. you and to grow closer together as a result. And we pray um, that you would just increase her ministry. We pray for Girl to Find for Bethany as well, that you would just open doors for them to reach more and more women and girls for your glory, God. In Jesus' Mm -hmm. name, amen. Amen. Thank you
1: so much, Jamie. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you. Keep up the great work.
0: Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show. And we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.